evening. I'm so glad to be here. We have a lot of uh, fl- uh, ground to cover, so I need you guys to click on your pew belts because we're going to be going really fast. All right, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam Lancaster. My wife and I are missionaries. We're actually retiring. I'll get into that a little bit uh, at the end of the year with BGFM. We've been serving in Brazil uh, since, or with BGFM since I think 2014. Uh, and we're giving our final furlough update. And um, so I'm going to do that, providence and peace, and then we're going to go uh, spend some time in the Word. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, and verse 19, there we go, says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Since 2019, when we arrived in Atacaju until now, we have seen God's providence in our lives, both personally and ministerially, in so many different ways. He has brought us through joyful times and prosperous, and he's also brought us through difficult and humble times. He truly has been our Jehovah Jireh, um, our provider, and his strength is sufficient for us. And did I go backwards? I think I did. There we go. Uh, no, I went, where am I on? I'm on the very end of the slide. Can we go to the very beginning of the There it is. <laughs> we, he is our Jehovah Jireh. Uh, my provider, and his strength is sufficient for us. Anyway, so I'd like to share uh, how God has been our provider uh, and peace over three years of uncertainty. Atacaju has been our goal and vision since 2014 when we joined BGFM. We've prayed for Atacaju, we prepared for Atacaju, we visited, did vision trips, uh, we went and learned the language. Well, I did, Anna didn't have to. Uh, And then after five years of planning and research and prayer, we finally landed in Atacaju in 2015. And we were so excited for our new team members uh, that God provided. We had Roger and Crystal Johansson, who were uh, veteran missionaries since, I think, 1992. Edioma and Danielle Maya, who have been in ministries for 20-plus years. And then Akiza, a single missionary, who is no longer on the field. She got married, uh, but she was a... Wonderful blessing on our, on our team. Shortly after arriving, God also provided three students, Wichita Price, Marcus Fowler, and Sierra Mernion, who were frontier students, actually, and we met them uh, while we were there on the last furlough, and they came down for a three- or two-month internship to experience ministry in Brazil. And they opened up a lot of doors for us, primarily English. So because we had so many different Americans, uh, ourselves and the other missionaries, and then these three students, we actually started an English club, and we would meet weekly, which eventually turned into a monthly, bigger uh, American Day thing. But we had time to teach English, but also, because we were leading it, talk about the Bible. And we were able to make a lot of different connections that way, but also uh, it morphed into other Bible studies, which I don't have time to talk about now. Uh, one of the other things that the Lord provided was this lady named Sihleji. She's a wonderful gal. And as one lady actually talked about her, an older lady who knew her, she said, 
See, Lady's far too Catholic. The Lord would never save her. It's, it's impossible for her to, to convert. I'm like, okay. I didn't really argue with her. But uh, one, one afternoon, she came over to our house, and for an hour and a half, we explained the gospel, and we explained the gospel, and we explained the gospel, and she asked questions, and we answered. She asked more questions than she answered. And then, have you ever seen that? Like that? And then the light bulb just clicks. And it was that moment where she goes, oh. And in tears, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And to this day, she's still a faithful member at the church in Atacaju. I pray for her husband, Michael, who is not a believer. Um, and they're having a lot of relational issues, so you can be praying for that family situation. But she was an amazing uh, providence in our lives. Uh, some of the other ministries that we were involved with during that one year we were there before COVID hit was hosting church services in our house so we were never late, uh, women's ministries, evangelisms, uh, couples encounters. Uh, we stayed very busy. A lot of it really was evangelism because we didn't have a wana or a lot of other like ministries and kids ministries because we were planning a church. We had nothing. So a lot of it was just finding opportunities to evangelize and then inviting them to do one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. So we, we stayed very busy during that time. Well, in March, Hosanna was 35, Mrs. March of 2020, so put yourself back. Uh, I know it feels like, you know, just one big long year, 2020, 2021, 2022, but go back to that time. Anna was 35 weeks pregnant. COVID was pregnant with uh, lockdowns, masks, and tests. And the doctor there said, look, I don't even know if I'm going to have a bed for you, let alone being able to tend you. If you can get back to the States, you should do that. And our mission and our family and other people we trusted agreed with us. So we booked tickets on Thursday, packed Friday, left Saturday, and then the airport actually closed Sunday. <laughs> so we were like scraping under the, the garage door as it was closing. <clears throat> so that was crazy. It did eventually open back up, but it was, it was very hectic. Uh, I basically just told Anna, just pack the minimal. If uh, we don't have it, we'll just buy it there, which she helped me to. <laughs> uh, so that was uh, an amazing providence to be able to get out so quickly. Our coworkers, Eddie and Danielli, were actually needing to move out as well where they were at and move closer to the ministry where we're doing church planting. So they moved into our house. We told them, oh yeah, we'll be back in like three to five months. It'll be fine. Uh, just take care of our dogs and our stuff. And then uh, during that time, they actually had lost about 50% of their support because they, the Brazilian churches dropped their missionaries far quicker. And so we were actually able to pay for their rent and their utilities. And we were only able to do that, by the way, because of faithful supporters like you guys who continued to support us. We did not lose $1 of support during our time here uh, for a year and a half where we were trying to figure out what we were doing in our life. In fact, our support actually went up uh, by the grace of God, which allowed us to help even, even more ministries there in Brazil. But they moved in and they took care of all of our stuff. We were so grateful for how the Lord provided Eddie Amon Danielli. Um, <clears throat> well, Jaira was born April 20th, 2020, and as many of you guys know, she was born with a heart murmur VSD. Uh, oh, that's our flight back. That was uh, Sao Paulo. That should have been filled with people, by the way. It was a very eerie trip back home. So there's Jaira uh, and all of her cuteness. And she was born with a heart murmur, and the cardiologist said, you're not going back to Brazil, which was, well, it's not right now, because we might have to do surgery. And that kind of threw us in for a loop, because we were really expecting to go back much faster. And uh, 
the hole was medium to large size, and it was kind of not something we expected. But we were so grateful that the Lord provided the opportunity for us to be here in the States with a lot of our medical history that you guys know about, uh, so that we could be around good medical care. Uh, while we were here in the States, the Lord provided many ministerial opportunities for us as we were stuck here. Um, and, uh, oh, I forgot about that one. See, it's not just you, Caitlin, who jumps ahead of yourself. <laughs> uh, this is a church building that the Lord uh, provided opportunity for us to rent. Being a very small church, we didn't have the finances to actually rent a church. And because of faithful supporters, again, like you guys, we were able to pay about four-fifths of the rent uh, of this church building uh, for about two years, actually. And over time, the, it actually uh, switched, and we were able, the church was able to pay, we're, they're paying about one, uh, we're paying one-fifth, and that'll be actually ending here real soon. They can cover the rent of the church, so we're so grateful. And then recently, go, there we go, uh, we were able to move into a larger building. That's a really cool story uh, for another time. So, uh, while we were here in the States, we wanted to continue to stay active. We did a lot of ministries uh, uh, as we were here, uh, including uh, speaking at different camps, uh, chapel sessions, uh, uh, youth group lessons, preaching, evangelistic opportunities, uh, premarital counseling, uh, traveling to different churches and giving different updates. We stayed fairly busy, so we're, fairly, we're very uh, grateful for the providence of ministries while we were here. Well, as the time extended on here in Brazil, or here in the States, we were faced with the reality that perhaps we would need to stay here in the States, uh, which was a really big pill for me to swallow. I was not ready to say, uh, yes, we're going to stay here and, re and return home from, the, from Brazil. But our time was extending, and how long do we continue to be supported as missionaries when we're just living here? Um, and in the end... Uh, God taught us and provided peace as we learned how to navigate these difficult waters uh, and that he was going to take care of us in whichever direction that we would go. He would give us peace. After a cardiologist visit in August of 2021, the cardiologist said that the hole in her heart actually had not shrunk very much recently. It was still a medium-sized hole. Uh, there was still possibility of surgery. Her heart was still slightly enlarged and that we would be doing checkups every four to six months, which is quite a bit for traveling back and forth uh, between here and Brazil. And so at that time, we made the decision to officially return home from the States and make that tr transition over the next year. Um, and uh, we went back in uh, September and October to announce to our mission. We had a missions conference, and then we also were able to be, uh, take part in a wedding. And then in January to March, we went back to officially close down shop there, where we sold everything, gave things away, uh, threw things away, uh, finished up our house rental contract, and said our goodbyes. It was also there that uh, we faced an emergency surgery, as Anna had a life-threatening ectopic pregnancy, um, that we were even unaware that she was pregnant at the time. Um, and much of her time after that surgery was actually just laying on the couch. Uh, for that time. It was a very stressful trip to say. It was probably the most stressful trip that I have ever done, I think, for both of us in our lifetime. But in all of this, 
God did continue to provide us peace over and over and over again in the midst of the ups and downs and the stresses of trying to figure and navigate these waters. And I would say that you guys have been our church family through this. Um, like I've never had before. So thank you so much for all of your help. Okay, think about ice cream afterwards. <laughs> Here we go. So at this point, we are retiring from BGFM. We will officially come off of BGFM in December. Um, and leaving the ministry has actually been far more difficult than I ever expected. Uh, I was kind of focusing on, oh, look, we're going to have like maybe, you know, Walmart and Chick-fil-A here. We can focus on that. But every time I think about our ministry in Brazil, I'm like, it's just not the same because we love Brazil so much. And in the short time that I've been there, I can't imagine how difficult it is for my wife who grew up there. Um, we love the ministry there. But we have peace about the decision that we've made. Ice cream, ice cream, we got this. We can, we can move on. So until then, we are going to be actually stepping out of uh, ministry full-time in terms of vocation, and we're going to be serving here with you guys. So you're stuck with us. Um, and uh, we're very grateful to be here with you all. I've taken on an IT job, and uh, I'll be doing that working from home, so it'll be flexible for continued ministry here, and um, it's going to be, it's, it's still going to be really good. And the church in Brazil will continue because God does not need me or us. He desires to use us. And there are still missionaries there continuing to work there in Brazil. So we're very grateful for that. So, did I, yeah, Jehovah Jireh. He's been our Jehovah Jireh. That's, Jireh, by the way, that name was picked before all of this happened. It was, it was very providential to have a living, breathing reminder of God's providence. I'd like to take some time to move into a period of looking at God's word. I'm going to try to fly through this. So, again, I hope you have your seatbelts on. But this is what God has been teaching me personally in this period. It's interesting that I think God, I'm so glad, at least he does it with me. I don't know if he does it with you, but he focuses on one thing in my life that I really need to fix. So we went through a period of grace that God, that we don't deserve anything, and we had to learn grace. And then we went through a period of providence, and that God provides and takes care of everything. And then he brought me through a period of teaching me peace and that God's in control of everything. And I'm so glad he did it in that order and he only did it at one at a time because if he did all three, I probably would have been really overwhelmed by all of that. Uh, um, but this is kind of a overall, this is my personal time with God and how he's been teaching and growing me. Um, and I hope that it's encouraging to you. So producing perfect peace. Let's pray. Good idea. Dear Lord, thank you for how you have provided for our family and used us in Brazil. Thank you for all the ministries and the people uh, in our lives, the finances, uh, and of course, the peace. I pray for um, this time in your word that you would use me uh, to speak your word. And uh, thank you for being our Jehovah Jireh. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So one in five adults, you can see the, uh, the stuff on the back, I hope. One in five adults today are diagnosed with mental disease. Uh, one in five adults are diagnosed with anxiety. And between February and March of 2020, anti-anxiety medicine increased 34%. Antidepressant medicine increased 18%. And youth actually aren't out of this at all. Um, in ages, youth, uh, ages uh, 12 to 17 years old, they have double the rate of anxiety problems than those aged 6 to 11. Gallup polls, if you've ever heard of them, they just ask people questions uh, non-discriminately. Uh, between 2019 and, 20, and 2020, mental health worsened for everyone in every area. It didn't matter if you were male or female, Republican or Democrat, black or white, old or young, married or single, rich or poor. Every demographic reported that their mental health was worse in 2020 than it was in 2019, primarily because of COVID-19. A little bit of tidbit information, actually, there's one line that they said that their mental health was better, and it was those who went to church uh, weekly. Just a little bit of information there. Uh, I would say that beyond a, a virus pandemic, we actually have a, uh, a peace pandemic. We have a peace pandemic. Uh, anxiety and mental health problems in our nation, and we need a solution. And the solution is perfect peace in our lives. In a world, and we're talking about a world full of darkness, right? We have a light, the word of God, spoken through prophets and through Christ, that shines as a light in the darkness. Do we as Christians have that light in our own lives? We need this light in a world full of darkness and depression and despair and anxiety. We need godly, biblical, perfect but first, let's define peace and let's define anxiety so we know that we're on the same page here, okay? So, it could be, peace could be an emotion, it could be a feeling, but I think that it, peace is a lot more than just that uh, because many times I've not felt at peace, right? But there's that other kind of peace and it's rest. So, do you sleep at night before a major surgery, before a test, before an interview, before the birth of your child, before you begin your first harvest, uh, before your first date, do you have rest at night? Maybe you're waiting for the, re, uh, the results of uh, a, a health exam, and you don't know what it's going to be. Does it keep you up at night? Before a big, a big project, does it keep you up at night? Do you worry? Are you anxious? Or are you able to sleep? Rest. In uh, Webster's Dictionary, anxiety is defined as a feeling of worry, nervous, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with uncertain outcome. But I think it's really missing the mark on that. I want to give it a, a, a bit more bite. Anxiety is not knowing the future, but you need to know it. Needing to control it, needing to know the future. And if you can't, or if I can't know the future, then I get anxious. If I can't control it, I get anxious. Anxiety is when you want to play God and then realize, oh, I can't. And then you get anxious. I have to know what's going to happen so that I can prepare best for it. And because I can't, because I'm not God, then I get anxious. 
peace and anxiety. What does Jesus say about peace? Well, he says, John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And he says this shortly before he's crucified. We'll be looking at a few key verses in the Bible on how to produce perfect peace. And here are my three main points, and we're going to go through them. Honest humility, heavenly hope, and perfect peace. Honest humility. Go. Anxiety in my estimation, and I'm going to get a little bit more into this, so just hear me out, okay? But anxiety as I've defined it here, as I understand it, at its root is caused by pride and the need to desire and to control. So the first step is realizing that we aren't in control, and you can't control much of anything. So you can try to control your health, right? And, and you can diet and, and do meds and your vitamins and, and your essential oils and your kombucha, and you, you, know, you can do all this stuff, and guess what? Your kids still get sick, or you get sick, right? You, you try to control it, or or you try to control your kids and what they learn and who they hang out with and, and what they watch. And you take them to church and they hear Sunday school and take them to Awana. And you know what? They, they can still rebel and, and run away from God. You can't control your kids. Or your, your money, where you invest it, what job you have, how you spend it. And as we've learned, we can still go broke. You can be wise. And I'm not against good stewardship of the things that God has given us, but... We do that in knowing that God is still ultimately in control of everything that we have. And this should drive us to be humble and submissive. We're just riding the waves of circumstances that come most of the time. We should do as the psalmist rightly says, uh, David, that uh, in Psalm 8, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him and the son of man that you are concerned about him? And he knew that he was so small, and yet God was so concerned with his life and that he could not control. David could not control most of his circumstances. I am but a small man, and my decisions really don't have that much of a consequence on the grand scheme of life. And that was one of the first stepping stones for me as we were trying to figure out what was the next step, is that if we decide to stay here or go back, I'm not going to blow anything up. It's, am I serving God? I am, I'm just baffled that God wants to use me and be concerned about me. In fact, when we're being humble, it actually puts us in the passenger seat, and it's when we do this that God says that he blesses us. So, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in the proper time. And you know what? The very next verse is the verse that says, Casting all your anxieties on him. So being without anxiety is, is directly connected here with being humble. Do you humble yourself in your anxieties? Do you, if you cannot be rid of your anxieties until you do. Because the more you try to control, the more you realize that you can't and the more worry. Put your hope in God as God does control all things. We need to be honest in our humility. Honest humility. Which leads to heavenly hope. Romans 15, 13. 
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope and peace are actually two sides of the same coin, I believe. So you can't have perfect peace without heavenly hope, and heavenly hope produces perfect peace. And what we hope in will determine what kind of peace we receive. Is it a perfect peace or is it an imperfect peace? And what we put our hope in is actually, if it's anything other than God, it's an idol. It's an idol. The world says that we should put our hope in the government and family, money, work, medicine. doesn't always work. Uh, an idol could be anything that you would sin to get or have. Good grades, so you cheat. Money, so you steal. Comfort, so you're lazy or to be loved, so you compromise. It's what you run to first when the floor drops out from underneath you as a distraction or as a way out or for comfort. Maybe it's uh, video games, food, Dr. Pepper is probably my weak spot. Uh, sex, alcohol, parties, vacation, friends. What do you do to distract yourself? It's the first thing you go to. I need, and this is what you put your hope in. If I just go to this person, then I'll feel better. If I just take this, then I'll be better. What do you put your hope in? And many times they're good things, right? And they're not, not wrong to go to your friend, but do you go to God first? It can be what brings us the most joy, and if it's lost and it's taken away, we become bitter and angry. Your kids, your house, your money, your phone, your health, your spouse. What do you hold so dearly and closely in that if it's taken away, we become bitter? One of my biggest fears is actually that my kids would walk away from God. And I wonder, and I, I pray that this is not my response, if my kids were to walk away from God, would I be angry at God? What do you hold so dearly and closely? The thing is that all of these are unable to be trustworthy and bring us hope. And when it's taken away, it brings us dissatisfaction and anxiety because they will fail, they're counterfeits. Uh, Psalm 16.4 says, The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. You see that in alcoholic, right? They go, they have anxiety or problems, and they go to the, the bottle and they drink, and then they have more problems because their liver fails, or they lose their family, or they lose their money, or they lose their job, and all of a sudden, because they go to these things, uh, or to, to, to alcohol, all of a sudden, they were looking for relief, and it brought them more issues. It did not bring them peace. It brought them problems. Idols are not trustworthy. So honest humility, I am small, heavenly hope, God, only you can are in control, which produces perfect peace. Perfect peace. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. He is the source of peace. He is, as it says, the Lord of peace. He's a Lord of peace. Does God ever get anxious? Has God ever felt anxiety? Jesus included in his humanity. Do you think Jesus ever felt anxious? I don't believe he did. Because God knows all things, and he doesn't have to worry about the future. He's in control. And if God is 
knows everything and God is with me, I don't really need to worry either, right? There's something that I like doing. I haven't done it in a while, so if anyone wants to go with me some, you know, maybe next summer. Uh, but it's called, it's whitewater rafting. And this is one of my favorite pictures ever. I was the only one that knew the camera guy was there. So that's why I'm staring right at him. Like, last of Mohican style. Like, we're... Whitewater rafting can be very dangerous if you've ever gone, and the, and the, and the, guy will, the guide will tell you, now, if we go down this way, we're going to flip over and you're gonna get it stuck in the rapids, and then you're going to drown. Like, okay, well, I'm glad you know, because I would not have known that. Whitewater rafting, like, this is a rapid five. I don't know, I'm using the wrong term, but like, I have one, to, zero to five, like, you know, hurricanes or whatever, and it's like, if you don't know what you're doing, then it could be very dangerous, but the guide knows what he's doing. He knows where to go. He knows where to avoid. Uh, and he knows how to help you have a good time. And look, we're, we're all smiling. We're having a great time because of the really strong guy in the back. Right? That guy makes whitewater rafting fun. And we can trust him. God is our guide. Now, our boat isn't necessarily our physical body. It's our spiritual body. Like, our, our physical boat could flip over and capsize. We can uh, have medical issues or problems in our lives or whatever, but you know what? God's our guide and he's going to navigate us through that. There's a, there's a missionary right now that's dying of cancer with BGFM. We just found out about this like weeks ago. And it's progressing very fast. I don't know much information other than it's just really bad. And I guarantee you, he is at peace. And his prayer request has been for the doctors that are serving him to get saved. He is a titan in our mission. And his physical boat is sinking quickly. But his spiritual boat is just fine. Because he's trusting in God, our guide. <laughs> Isaiah 26.3 says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. We receive perfect peace by trusting in God. Imagine you get into the raft and you're still anxious. You have the best guide in the world. He's never lost a boat. He's never lost a person. He's done it thousands of times. And you start hyperventilating. Whose problem is it that you have anxiety at this point? Is it the guide or is it you? It's the person who's not trusting in God. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. We need to trust in God. I, uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We need to give him his, our anxieties in our humility. Remember, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, the verse before. And he has the strength to carry our hurts and our worries. And he cares about us to do that. And then we need to take our anxieties and we leave them at the feet of the cross of Jesus and we look to the face of Jesus knowing that he's in control. But oftentimes what I've done is I'll leave them, I give them to Jesus and I'll, like, I'll go back and then like in the morning I wake up, you know, I, I want to hold on to these just a little bit more. <laughs> and then they get heavy, right? And you got to, oh, I can't do it anymore. You, you set it down. And then you later on like, well, hold on, let me just think about it a little bit more. 
and, and we start overthinking our, our worries and our anxieties, we need to leave them there and we need to look to Jesus. It's a state of mind of I do not need to be in control and I trust God. I am humble and I'm hoping in God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible makes it a command not to be anxious. And I understand perhaps some people might disagree, but hear me out. I know that there's, just hear me out here. But as anxiety, as I've defined at the beginning, needing to be in control, I believe is a sin. The Lord commands us not to be anxious. And then if we do otherwise, it's something that God has not commanded us to do. I'm not referring to, oh, uh, uh, well, here I am, I'm referring to the overwhelming panic that sets in because you don't know what's going to happen and you don't have rest. And I'm not referring to stress or being overburdened. Jesus was stressed. He sweat drops of blood. He was so stressed out and overburdened. But I do not believe he was anxious. I'm not talking about abstract medical conditions. I understand that those are out there. I'm talking about anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. And the Bible gives us a two-step process on how to kind of deal with this type of anxiety. First, he says, pray, reach out to God, express what you're feeling. Uh, God's not surprised by your problems, by your anxieties. He already knows, and he wants to hear from you. And we can vent to God. We're not going to uh, catch God off. He knows already your feelings and what you're, what you're going through. So we need to be prayerful. Uh, there's a verse down, down at the bottom, Psalm 18, 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came to his ears. But it also says that we need to be thankful. Find things that God has given you that we can be thankful for, that you can be thankful for. Contentment, big or small. The food in your belly, the phone in your pocket, the, the kids in your house, money in your bank. Uh, the smell of the flowers around you, music, anything can help us to keep our mind off of anxiety. Uh, there's a method out there called the 54321 method. I think it's a really interesting method. Uh, and it's the idea is that when you have a panic attack, you need to find five things you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And I think this is an interesting method, but I, I want to add something to it. Find these things and then praise the Lord for those things around you. Five things that you can see that you're thankful for to God. And four things, three things. Be thankful to the Lord in your circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 is kind of a summary, right, of Philippians. Be rejoice uh, always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, the word in is interesting there because it doesn't say for. And, and maybe I just need to study a little bit more theology or hear a few more of Pastor Matt's uh, sermons, but I've never been thankful that Zechariah died. I've never yet to be thankful for the whole in Jairus' heart. 
I have yet to be thankful uh, for the emergency surgery that Anna had to do with the ectopic pregnancy or for any of the other losses that we've gone through. I don't know if it's right to say this, but I believe it is. I don't think we necessarily need to be thankful for every situation that happens. Sometimes those things do turn out that way. I'm so thankful that I missed my bus because it turned over. I don't know. But (laughs) I can tell you this. In every one of those circumstances, I've been thankful in it. I've been thankful in it. So in closing, skipping some things here. Psalm 4.8. Psalm 4.8 says this. I will both, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is Jairus, or Grace's first verse she memorized. In paz me deitu, e logo messo, pois só tu, Senhor, me fazes viver em segurança. Psalm 4.8. Peter in prison, right? Acts uh, 12.6. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains. He didn't have NyQuil to get him through it. Sleeping. He didn't care what was going to happen. He was at peace. Jesus on a boat. In the storm. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling. And Jesus himself was, asleep, was on the stern, asleep on a cushion. Must have been a my pillow. I don't know. He was out at peace. You want to sleep like that? I want to sleep like that. I need perfect peace. What about Jesus right before he was crucified? 1 Peter 2, 22-23 says, Who committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth? While being reviled, he did not revile. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And it's interesting there, the, the verbiage, kept entrusting. He didn't just do it once. He, he entrusted himself once. He had to remind himself over and over again. He kept entrusting himself that God has a plan. My father has a plan and I'm going to trust him in it. And he had peace even in the midst of the most difficult time that he was about to suffer in his ministry. I do not believe Jesus experienced anxiety as we've defined it here because he trusted in his father. He was stressed, he was overwhelmed, he was weak, but he had peace. In a moment, uh, we're going to close with a wonderful hymn, and I've come to enjoy this hymn even more getting through this. Uh, It is the uh, hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, written by Horatio Spafford. I bet you many of you here know the story behind how that was written, but we're going to review it anyway, and hopefully I can get through this. Um, But Horatio Spafford was a successful attorney and real estate investor. He ended up losing a fortune in the Great Chicago Fire in 1871. Couldn't put your hope in the finances. He lost it all. About the same time, uh, his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Couldn't put his hope in the doctors. Didn't save his son. After suffering loss, he wanted to take a vacation with his family to get away, and he sent his wife and his four daughters ahead on a ship to England with plans to join them after finishing some business at home, and tragically on the voyage over the ship sank, and over 200 people lost their wives, including all four of Horatio 
Spafford's daughters, Annie, Maggie, Bessie, and Tanetta. Look like beautiful girls. His wife survived, miraculously. And when she arrived in England, sent a telegram to her husband and said, saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio, of course, set sail at once for England. And while on the boat, this captain knew the story about what happened to the Spafford family. And as they're passing over the spot where the ship sank, the captain called him out to, to let him know. At this moment, how would you react? Would you shake your fist at God and be bitter? you question, why did this happen? Would you become angry? It was at this point that these words filled his mind and his soul and wrote the poem, which was eventually put to song by one of his friends, When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. What an amazing response. Could we stand and sing that? And then I'll close out afterwards.
Is it well with your soul, friend? Whatever your lot, do you have peace? No matter what comes, do you have peace? Perfect peace. Be anxious for nothing, but let the peace of God guard your hearts and your minds so that you may have perfect peace produced by heavenly hope, which comes from honest humility. Let's close in prayer one more time. Father God, thank you for your perfect peace that you have provided in my life and in my family's life. And although I do not know what the future holds, I know that you are in control. I am little, but you are concerned about my life for some reason. And I am so blessed and grateful to have you as my Jehovah Jireh and my God of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we dismissed? No. Okay. We have truly been richly fed these last few days, both physically and spiritually. We want to conclude our time together with a song exhorting one another to continue to be part of this process. We're going to sing this song, then we're going to be dismissed to the family center where we will enjoy some brownies and some ice cream, and I think some of us will even combine them together. Let's stand together.
this room, but please join us in the Family Center for refreshments.